are right on. We're here. Oh my god, on time. <laughs> Welcome to the 2020 Latinx Kid Lake Book Festival. Please take some time to read the anti-harassment policy in the chat, which our amazing moderators are putting in there. Mm -hmm. And also another reminder, please subscribe to the Latinx Kid Lit Book Festival um, on YouTube, the YouTube channel. And if you're a school, classroom, or librarian, or educator, please join us. We're doing a classroom book set giveaway. Um, and there is a link that you can find in the entry form in the chat. So get them free books. Um, my name is Alyssa <laughs> and I'm like so excited to be here with my mentor Donna Barbara this is like so surreal I still remember our conversation like two years ago when after I got my agent we're like one day we're gonna do a panel together I know look at us today <laughs> um so I'm gonna be really weird Prepare yourselves, people, because I'm like, <laughs> super excited. You have no idea. I couldn't sleep last night, and um, I couldn't even eat this morning because I was just so excited to be uh -huh. in conversation with Donna. Um, so for those who don't know how dope Donna is, I'm going to go ahead and read her bio. <laughs> All right. So Donna grew up in Central California, surrounded by agricultural and oil fields. As a child, rather than dealing with the regular dust devils, she preferred spending recess swirled away in the janitor's closet with a good book. I can totally picture you doing that, too. <laughs> Her favorite hobbies were calling Dallas story over and over again and sneaking into a restricted cemetery to weave her own spooky tales using the crumbling <laughs> headstones as inspiration. That's a long sentence. <laughs> oh, yeah, but it's a good one. I can again, I can totally picture you doing that. Um, Donna's middle grade and picture books are all about kids who find themselves in odd and scary situations. Donna likes to write about all things funny, but also sad and creepy and magical. If you like these things, she hopes you will read her books. And I have them here to show off. Oh. <laughs> El Cucuy is scared too. It really does combine like scary but like cute and funny it's it's adorable and I'm super excited for the next one and then we have your debut middle grade Lupe Wong won't dance and the last Quintista got it before it got all the fun awards um, I love when I see them without the stick because people go mine doesn't have a sticker I'm like that's good that means you have one of the early ones the first edition pre-ordered so it's special. It's special. <laughs> Donna, how are you? Very good. I mean, we should have had the the warning on the screen. We, you know, we're used to meeting in our jammies over Zoom and getting the giggles. And so we have to try and behave ourselves. Yes. We, we can do this. They have no idea what they've asked for. <laughs> well, I got to say, when... When I was asked, I literally screamed. I squealed and it brought me back to like two, three years ago when you when you originally was like, I will be your mentor. And I was like, yes, please be my mentor. Um, so yeah, tell us about The Last Quintista. Oh, well, so The Last Quintista, it was, <laughs> it was funny because I had come off writing Lupe Wong Won't Dance, which is contemporary humor. And... Totally. You know, my imagination is so strange. And a lot of times it goes off of what's happening around me in the world, but I don't know it until I'm done writing the book. So 
I started writing, there was, um, I think that the very first time, like I started writing a short story about this book. I, I want to say it was like 10 years ago and it was a writing prompt of take, take a traditional fairy tale and make it sci-fi. And I had wrote, written this short story, like 500 words, like really short about a girl who um, had been asleep for hundreds of years. Well, I should premise that by saying I, I took the princess and the pea. So don't, and if, oh. if you don't know the story, the story is of uh, the queen who's searching for uh, a wife for her son. And the, um, all these girls come to the kingdom and they're not delicate enough for her son. And finally a girl comes and the, the queen puts a pea under this like stack of mattresses and the princess can't sleep. And so that, and, and the queen's like, Oh, she's so delicate. She's, she can be the princess. And that always annoyed me. <laughs> so, so I decided I was going to put my spin on it and create this really strong character in a short story and, um, but when she awoke, you know, she travels across the universe and she wakes up on this planet where, you know, they, they're trying to find a wife for this guy's, this woman's son. But, um, when she wakes up, she, everything has changed. Everything she values and loves has changed. And so Ooh. it just, the idea haunted me. So, you know, 10 years later I picked up, um, I said, you know what, after I finished writing Lupe, it's like, I want to try to make something of that. And I wrote it as a middle grade, this really strong character, because those are my most vivid memories of when I was in middle grade. And the time that I really, really feel like I gained the, gained the love of the things that I still cherish was in middle grade. And it was mm -hmm. and stories. And so that's kind of where that story sprouted from. And I started writing it down and I was like, oh, this is so weird. Nobody's going to like it. And so my editor, Nick, said, so what are you working on now? I'm like, oh, you're not going to like you're it. You're not going to like this. Weird. This is sci-fi. We did contemporary. <laughs> and he's like, well, why don't you let me be the judge? And I only sent him, I think, the first 30 or 40 pages and he called me the next day and said, okay, we're doing this. I'm like, what? And he's like, well, you got a year. I'm like, a year for what? And he's like, to, to write your book. I'm like, what book? <laughs> he's like, the one you're going to write. <laughs> so, oh my God. So I, but it was kind of freeing because I think that I, I always, sometimes I worried about the concepts behind the book and the storytelling and what I wanted to incorporate. And I thought it would be too weird for the publishing world and yeah. then I come across Nick Thomas at Levine Querido and he's like bring it and so it was out to Nick yeah <laughs> he's awesome but it's one of those things where like when you as a writer when someone says you can go write what you want it's yeah. really freeing and I've been given this amazing opportunity and so my ideas keep getting weirder and weirder <laughs> no. <laughs> on the weird I love that thank you for sharing that there was, I knew bits and pieces of that story but I didn't know it started from a prompt a lot you know I love writing prompts and I feel like you can take like I tell kids all this time at school visits we could give the exact same writing prompt to every kid in the room and they will all have a different idea of so what true. what it is and what that story is for them so I love writing prompts. I think, you know, 
only because like I I've always been that way. Like when I was a kid, oh my gosh, we're going so off script. There that's the point. <laughs> when I was a kid, my aunt had this coffee table book called Mysteries of the Unexplained. And it to me, it was a book of writing prompts. It like told you all these mysterious things in the world. Mm -hmm. And then my mind would go, Oh, this is what really happened. Like I would make up yeah. an explanation. It was kind of like going to the cemetery which at old pioneer cemetery where kids don't do that because the one I went into was on an oil field and you could fall into pits. Don't do We found out later. Somebody may or may not have fallen into the pit, but it's one of, I, I shouldn't have I'm glad it wasn't you, but I would go to the cemetery and each of those people's names and their birth and uh, date of birth and death gave me ideas for stories. And so that's always my favorite when doing like what ifs. Yeah. Maybe you and I have done that before. We have. We've done that, that was some of our exercises. exercises that They're we my did. favorite. Yeah. I, I see it. It's, it's so cool. So we're, I hope everyone's taking notes. So writing prompts are your friend, the weirder, the better. <laughs> and just, you know, write what you want. And yeah, right. ask yourself right. always, what if, what if this happened? Oh my gosh, what if this happened? And that's how I wrote a lot of this book. Cause I just had that tiny little idea of the girl. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, what if this happened? What if this happened? And that's how the book happened. <laughs> I, I love it. And I'm a slow reader. I read this in like three days. It's a record. <laughs> I couldn't put it down. My husband was like, but are you going to go to sleep? And I'm like, forget it. <laughs> I'm going down, I'm going downstairs to the couch. Like I was addicted. It's yeah, oh. it's so good. So good. So on that note, bringing it back to um the last cuentista, how do you find being a cuentista, a storyteller? And are there any differences between being a cuentista and being an author? Oh, what a great question. Um so yes, absolutely. And I, I actually have, I've thought about this a lot in my journey because I never thought of myself as a writer. I always thought of myself more as a storyteller, like writing was a big journey. I had to learn how to write. And so I took a lot of classes and went to a lot of workshops to learn the craft of writing. Right. Um, but I, I did, I always thought of myself as a storyteller. I always told my kids stories. I would make stuff up. My poor children, I'm going to have to go back someday and tell them all the things I made up that weren't true. <laughs> <laughs> like things we would happen in, like we would pass by something in, in life. And, and, you know, I, I made up really awful stories too, that were probably, gonna scar them <laughs> that's what therapy's for <laughs> but I th that's kind of how I always and again those are what ifs like oh there's a pile of rocks what if there's something buried under there and what like all kinds of things like that so I, I didn't think of myself as a writer and I think <clears throat> when we talk about storytelling and you know being a quintista even those words have right. nuance different they're a little bit different. Yeah. And so when I was writing this book too, like the word, so <laughs> the original title, I am not known for my great titles. Like Lupe Wong was originally Square Dance, which is awful. Then it was Dosi -si Don't Even, which I thought was super cool. Like yeah, that's cute. And then it became Lupe Wong Won't Dance. And, and, um, 
the last Quintista was originally Petra Peña and the P, P-E-A for Pellet of Extended Animation. Ay, Dios mío. It's so bad. But then we keep, we, we were coming up with titles and I started thinking about it and what she represented. And I was like, okay, well, she's not really a storyteller. She's not even not a narradora because she's like, she is a Quintista. And, and so because she is emulating someone in her life was a, who right. was a Quintista who, and I, um, I know we'll probably talk about it more, but that is kind of what I thought And the word has like the nuances that maybe the storyteller or the person telling you is weaving a tale and it parts of it may or may not be true. And right. they they may be embellishing or, you know, trying to make it more interesting and that was who Petra was to me. And so um, I don't know what your original question was. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It was great. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think a lot of us, especially from like marginalized identities, probably experience something similar because mm-hmm. I, I remember being very like creative once upon a time. And then it got just like beaten out of me by like, certain teachers mm-hmm. who shall remain nameless on this um <laughs> like they they're just so focused on like the grammar and all this stuff that it's just like you lose the creativity and I just right. I remember feeling like oh I'm not good at this I thought I was good at this but I, I'm not good at this and it wasn't until I decided I was like you know what I'm writing this for me I'm writing this for seven-year-old Alyssa I don't care what anybody else thinks. Okay. I'm going to tangent right here. Yes, do it. Because <clears throat> when, <laughs> when um, Mia and Las Moses approached me Lovely. with the mentorship program, it was long ago and we were, we were sitting on a couch. Oh my gosh. We were at Highlights Foundation. Yeah. And I sat there and everyone's kind of sitting and I'm reading through the entries now at that time it did not show any of the writing it showed the ideas it had very basic so I I saw names and then it showed the ideas of what people had and so I had not seen any of your writing and I think that like reading through the ideas, it was like goosebumps. I read what you had and I'm like, this is it. Like the idea and what you wanted to do. And like, it's had a little bit about you and your vision in life. And I'm like, oh, this is the one. And so I told me, I go, I, I have to have this one. <laughs> I didn't know anything about you, but I knew that your ideas and the concepts of what you wanted to do. So it was very much like what I felt I was when I began my writing journey. I had ideas. I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to put them on paper. Um, I don't think I was a great writer when I began at all. Um, And it's a, it's a journey. People say, you know, I'm going to write something and it's immediately going to get published. I finished a book. Writing is hard. It's really hard. And so um, even now I'm writing, I'm on like my fifth revision of a book and it just, you got to wait until they, I've heard this thing before. Like when you look at like a cup 
like a coffee cup and you go, okay, sometimes you have the idea for it, which is the cup itself, but you don't have the handle. And so sometimes you have to keep working, keep writing, keep editing. And then suddenly we all know that feeling if we have books in the world where the handle comes into place and you're like, oh my gosh, I got my handle. And, and I feel like both of both you and I have been through that where we had our cups, but we didn't have our handles. Absolutely. That's definitely, I mean, like, I'm glad. I don't think I would have gotten the Musas <laughs> mentorship. <laughs> If we had to submit our manuscript, like it, because it was so not, not there, not up to the standard, but you know, those are things we can all learn, right? Like you can, we go back. Well, I will say not all of us can learn if we don't do the work. And, and, um, I have never met a harder writer worker ever than you. And, and there were times where I'm like, oh, what about this? Here's, here's a book or here's a course, or here's this you could take. And like the next week you were done (laughs) or the next month when I met with you, I'm like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) she's like, so it's important for people who want to be writers. You have to do the work. It's not easy. It's so fulfilling. And, and you do get to live in your imagination and it's wonderful, but it's work. And I think just like how you, when you write your stories, you're asking yourself, like, what if this happened? What if this happened? I think if anyone is applying for mentorship programs, I think my mantra was yes, yes, and yes, yes. I just, whatever you said, I was like, you you tell me to jump off a cliff, I'll jump off that cliff. And I know that hopefully there'll be something down there. Oh, Lord, I'm happy this worked out for you. Because I, I, whatever you said, I was like, change the perspective. Okay, vamos, vamos, let's do it. You know, and I remember you were like, just write a different one. I was like, okay, we'll, we'll write a different one. <laughs> and that's, and that's look, really- like, look at some of like the ideas that you had. There were things where you hadn't really, you had ideas, like lots of, like you had your cups and I'm like, go find your handle. And you did. And it's, it's so inspiring. Like, when I talk to people about you, because that's what I do. I brag. So I brag about you all the time too. Literally. I'm like, yes, she's a Newberry award winner. And she's also my friend. I'm like, I can say she's my mentor and my friend. I have author friends. I have her number. I won't give it to you, but I have her number. That's, that's where we're at. Oh, do you want me to put her up? I want me to FaceTime her right now. (laughs) Well, I think that, um, like, dur- like I said, like during the process, it was just super inspiring because sometimes, I mean, I give a lot of critique to people and I do a lot of question asking. I think there's, there's, re- yeah. there's good critique. And then there's also people who want to reprimand others for some reason during critique. And that's not constructive. So a lot of my critique is what if, have you thought of this? And, and um, I love when I, someone like yourself, like, Ooh, I never thought of that. And they don't take it. They don't get offended. They're like, yeah. Oh, I did. What if it, what if I did that? And that's so fun. That's discovery. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're not following our, we're topic. not, we're not following the script at all. <laughs> Those of you watching this is good because it kind of somewhat leads to my next question, okay. which is we're back. Um, <laughs> I wrote questions down, but I was just like, it's just because I'm like excited and nervous, but we'll likely not even cover them. Um, so you kind of hinted that there, there's another storyteller 
in the family. So and we learned a little bit about the abuela and that first chapter had me needing therapy, but like in all the best ways, um, because my grandmother is like, was the most important person in my mm-hmm. life. So reading that, it oh, gave no. me all the feels. I don't have a Kleenex, hold on. <laughs> oh no, no, I, I brought mine, cause I knew. I, I normally I knew. have some right here for these moments and I don't know where Where's your handkerchief? I will do like when the Newberry committee called me, I had nothing. I had a scarf on my neck and I'm like taking my scarf and wiping my nose and my eyes. So anyway. Um, so was the abuela also like the OG storyteller, the right. OG that in yeah. your life? And if so, so um, that scene was not originally in the book. No. No, it was getting the tea. started. Yeah. Well, you're supposed to start a book in scene and like in action. And so I had started the book with Petra and her family going to the ship. That was the opening mm-hmm. scene. And at, and the book was pretty much like we were, I was, you know, kind of finishing and there was one of the notes was, can we see Petra in her normal world before she takes off? Mm. And is and I didn't realize before I started writing that how personal this book was for me. So personal. Yeah. And so I decided, oh my gosh, <laughs> that I was going to write a scene. I said, what do I love the most? And when I was Petra's age, what did I love the most? And what would that have looked like? And it would have been me with, sitting with my girl. <laughs> Oh my gosh, sitting with my grandmother on her back porch or in her backyard. And she lived looking out at the desert and just sitting and her making up a story or telling me a story. And in her backyard, I would have heard like the chickens clucking and, you know, I was, uh, there was always a stupid goat trying to eat my clothes or whatever, but, (laughs) but um, that scene was me and my grandmother and being sitting with her and her telling this story. And so, mm-hmm. in you know, Lita totally represents my grandmother. I mean, 90% of it. And I even wrote a scene that was a total, um, it didn't make it into the book, but it was a scene I had written or a chapter about Lita and my Tia Berta where they're cooking, probably rolling tamales and they're in the kitchen and they're talking, talking smack to one another about, (laughs) and it was totally the scene. It didn't make it into the book, but those were the scenes I went back and kind of wrote about the things that I loved the most, the scenes with Petra and her father digging for rocks and her mother doing. I love that. That I love the fairies. So when I said about making up stories, so my younger daughter, oh my gosh, we're on a tangent. She, she, when the tooth fairy all came about, she, um, she wrote a letter and said, you forgot to come. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot to leave a dollar. So I wrote a letter back and signed it from Gwendolyn, the fairy, and like put it under her pillow. So we had an ongoing pen pal relationship with my daughter, Sophia and Gwendolyn for like three years. And I still have all those notes back and forth that, and she thought it Gwendolyn was the tooth fairy. So her older sister was making fun of her one day. And so I said, um, let's, let's go out 
and let's, you know, see if we can find any fairies and get documentation. So I took my phone and um, a flashlight and it was like dusk and there was a green belt behind our house. And we went through and I would wait for like a wind and I would hurry up and fling the flashlight and I go, did you see it? Did you see it? And she go, oh, yes, I think I saw it. And I was like that one. And we would make up what color it was and everything. And we had my daughter, my younger daughter, we had such a big imagination. And she was, she's the one that I have hope for. <laughs> she She's doing great things in college. She wants to be a child psychologist, but she is for sure. She's got that imagination. And that's where that scene came from. It was just love a lot of things. And again, I had kind of forgotten about that. And when I was writing this book, I'm like, I want to show like everyday life and the things that I loved the most with my children. But that opening scene, when I wrote it, I was a blubbering mess writing. <laughs> I, 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 Yeah, I had like, it was, and it was late and I finished reading it and I was just like, I need to read it again. And I, I just, I just remember just like crying, but it was like so therapeutic and it was just like how do you channel you know like wow. your ancestors right like, I feel like so much of this is we all love our abuelas yeah. so much and so I think it's a it's a very universal scene and for me I just I totally could imagine myself laying in her arms and the smells of the desert but also the smell of my grandmother like her what is it called the Rosa Vena soap that the rose soap that I think, uh, but it's just like every, I just, I don't know. It's one of those things that um, I can't believe that scene wasn't there in the beginning. And now it's. It sets the tone for the whole story. Yeah. Really yeah. yeah. And that's why we revive and work hard. Yeah. And, and just so, so glad for like amazing editors, right. That like yeah. are not, prescriptive and tell you like this is what you have to do but make suggestions right that allow you to just try things out and see if it Mm -hmm. it works and then when you try it and it does it's like great and if it doesn't but it was a good exercise right so yeah he he brings me in on the really bad ideas there are a lot of those (laughs) (laughs) I think we you know it's part of the process it's part of the process um so kind of on that note like how do you make space for your ancestors in your life and your writing practice does it just come naturally or like do you have to like light the, the candle bring out the- <laughs> how, how do you do that well I have uh I light the pinion incense <laughs> I really do I have um there are different places and I have I I really I light incense and I'm just quiet for a minute and a lot of times I will I'll lay down and I will close my eyes and just kind of try to empty my mind and see what comes. And a lot of times my husband will walk in and go, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm writing. <laughs> He's like, you're taking a nap. I'm like, no, I'm writing. And so, <laughs> so this, you know, okay. So if you need a nap, light the incense and lay down and tell people you're writing. No, I'm just joking. I really, <laughs> I really am. But when I do that, that's when my, the, I think the most magical ideas if I force it and I try I hate the saying but in chair like people talk about writing because some there are some of us who don't write the same way others do there are others who write it's it is it is more technical and they you know than maybe for them but in chair but there are a lot of 
writers and if there are kids watching, you don't have to always have your butt in chair. You can go sit in your backyard and look in the sky and be writing and having like your imagination working and writing story. That is storytelling. And I truly imagine <clears throat> when I'm writing my books, it is not on paper. It's in my mind. And so it, it plays out like a movie. Mm. And so like kind of like visual imagery, I guess I would say, but almost like a whole movie. And then when I get up, I'm like, okay, I got to carry that with me and I got to hurry and try to write the details. And th it is not good writing. It is a lot of times. Um, oh, I don't see it. I have an envelope that I found. I think I wrote it when I was like half asleep, almost falling asleep the other night. It is almost nonsense, but there are little pearls in it that I'm like, oh, this is good. And it's sometimes in those spaces that the ideas come to us and that's okay. You don't, it doesn't have to be, I spent four hours getting 2000 words on the page. Well, whatever. Like it's, <laughs> it's not always about that. That's not always what it means to, to um, be an, an author and a storyteller to me. No, that's valid. For me, it's laundry. My I'm folding laundry. It's so mindless. And then I'll have my notebook, like a, a paper yep. with me. And then I'm and then I'll, I'll have like the craziest ideas. And it's just being able to just turn everything off and like not be in front of a screen, especially since we're so like screen heavy these days. It's just like, yeah folding clothes or cooking or you know and then it's like it comes and you're like where's my notebook right <laughs> I always keep a notebook and I'm like that too if you, you you're frantic if you have that idea and you can't find your notebook oh my god it's a mess I mean thank god for voice notes nowadays you know but it still feels different to like actually like the physical act of writing it down mm -hmm. feels I don't know I, I'm old I guess but I have the notes thing on my phone my Emily laughs at me because I'll go, and then she, da 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 da. And <laughs> what are you doing? You're so embarrassing. But yeah, whatever works for you. There are no rules. I, I just, I don't know. I, like you were talking earlier, it makes me so sad that there was someone who discouraged your just Alyssa's young, little, beautiful mind and creativity. And I'd like to go have a chat. Well, I'll need her name after. But the <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the they thing were a later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But we, we actually, otherwise, we're gonna like, we're gonna just keep going on tangents after tangents. But we have wonderful um, student questions. That Listen, we warned them this could happen. I'm so excited for student questions. We will, okay, we will behave now. We're ready. We're ready for the student questions. How do you make? make a book how do you make a book in the cutest question and voice ever yes for um, speed. Hi. well i love and you know what and people go like how do you make a how do you make a book because like do does it mean do you make it literally do you make it in your mind because a lot of people think of this differently and um making when you actually are holding a book in your hand, there's a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people who've worked on that book and a lot that has to go into making that book. 
there are artists, there are designers, there are, you know, editors, different kinds of editors, there are translators, there are so many people who look at the book to make sure it's perfect before you get to hold it in your hands. And so when you're talking about making a book, we're talking about the very beginning parts where we just first have the ideas for books and we start to write them down. And like Alyssa said, keep a notebook so that someday if you type it into a computer or you write it on a piece of paper, that's the beginning. And then from that point, that's when it will go to an editor um, who will look it over and then slowly but surely, sometimes it can take a year, sometimes it can take 10 years. I know authors who are still waiting for books because now they're in the hands of an illustrator. So making a book is a long process, but the first step has to be writing, then the editor, then from that point, it goes to other editors and translators and other people. And then it gets sent, you know, when everything's perfect, you hope, because you never know, sometimes there's one little error, it goes to the people who actually physically put the book together. And I found out during this process that sometimes doing that can take six months. So if they run out of copies of a book, you have to wait for them to come from sometimes another country. And sometimes there are shipping delays <laughs> and other things where just the books don't come in time. So yeah, it's, it's a long process. It is a long process, but it's so worth it. So it is, it. it is. And actually, I don't think I have it right. Oh, this is the first book I ever wrote when I was seven. It's called A Good Writer. Oh, <laughs> that is so perfect. So it, you start off like this and then eventually you become amazing and prolific and then you do this. You need to, that is, okay, I, let me tell you, you have to save that for school Forever. visits. And oh my gosh, that's so inspiring that you can show that and then show your finished book. It's, yeah. That makes me super weepy. You need to keep that forever. Forever, forever. I'm glad my mom kept it. I'm glad she's a little bit of a hoarder. And then and then I and then I got to keep it. Oh, okay. I, Next question. I have bins of stuff my kids are going to go, what? I said, listen, you can go through it someday if you don't want it, whatever. But there might be one nugget in there you need to keep. Yep. Let them figure it out. After. Right. Yep. All right. Next, next student question. Hi, I am Sophia Grace. I live in Bangkok, Thailand, and I have a question for you. Were there any time where you wanted to just stop writing? Oh, this question like makes my stomach sink. <clears throat> because yeah, there have been times and most of the time it's when, like how I was saying earlier, the outside world really influences my writing and my imagination and what I see in the world. And there are sometimes that the world is kind of sad and, and it's difficult and I don't feel like writing. And when that happens, I read, I, I try to pick up books that maybe will help me with my mood or what I'm feeling. And people say, well, is reading, is that actually writing? I think it counts. <laughs> So, um, you know, people who write and who are writers also read a lot. And um, 
someone asked me recently, how many picture books did you read? And I went and tallied it. I didn't, I'm like, oh, not very many. And just like this year, I've read like 60 picture books. I'm like, but, and that's just picture books. And so it's one of those things that the world sometimes can make it difficult for some of us. And we don't always feel like writing. And sometimes people go, oh, that is that writer's block? Um, I guess, I don't know what that term really means, but I think that there are times when it's not, I think writer's block means you're just, you're stuck completely. And I think when you say a time when you wanted to stop writing, I think, um, yeah, I think there are times when you just, you're not in the right mood or there's a lot going on in the world and it's just time to take a break and that's okay. Just pick up a book and read. I love that. I love that. You can always come back to it. Right. Right. And I know we have, uh, we have some audience questions, some chat questions. Here we go. What if you think of a book idea, idea and you forget it? Ooh. Oh, Diego, that happens all the time. <laughs> it is the worst feeling. What a great question. Um, it is so hard because there are times when, like, even I'm about to fall asleep. I'm like, oh, I have a great idea. And I'm like, I'll remember it in the morning. And then I wake up and I'm like, what was that idea? And I don't remember. And so I I do keep something like paper or pen by my bed, but sometimes I forget. So if you are somebody who wants to have story ideas or write, keep a notebook and, you know, and just write even one word that helps you remember. Oh, you, that question, what a great question, because I think most writers have felt that way. They, they, they're like, what was that idea? And they, they can't remember. So a notebook and a flashlight. So if it's like <laughs> the lights are out, yeah, your parents are gonna yeah, like get in trouble. You just you say, Alyssa and Donna told me I could get out my flashlight and my pen. I doubt my idea. Permissions Oh, we're in so much trouble. <laughs> and I know we have another audience question. Ooh, how many books have I written? Okay, so. I guess like, so published books, right? There's books that are out in the world that you can go, you know, buy. Um, right now there are three, but there are also the Spanish versions of uh, Lupe Wong. Yeah, Lupe Wong Won't Dance. There's Lupe Wong No Baila. And La Ultima Cuentista is, I think it's out now or coming out very, very soon. It might already be out. It was, I think it was supposed to be out this week and it might've, you know, might've been a delay of some sort, but it's going to be out very soon. Um, El Cucuy is scared too, which I just learned is going to be in Spanish. I don't know if I'm going allowed to say that, but I just said it. So now I'm sure I'm in some kind of publishing trouble. Um, and then I have two books. I have El Panuelo Amarillo, the yellow handkerchief comes out next year. Alyssa knows that book. And then, um, <laughs> and then uh, Feliz Navidad El Cucuy comes out next year. And I just got to see the illustrations last night and I like cry. They're so beautiful. I'm like, there's no, so this little, oh, I can't reach it. That little El Cucuy is so adorable. He's the boogeyman. I'm like, there's no way that, you know, what more can the illustrator do? And it's like mind blowing. It's so beautiful. So within the year I'll have, five books out and then the following year in a sixth, a no another novel. And so it's, um, it, I think for Alyssa too, for both of us, 
we went within a few years of having zero books to, you know, several out. So yeah. it's, and, and then I, people say, well, which one do you love the most? I love them all the same. They're my children. <laughs> they're like my them in different ways. Right. And they're all different. Sometimes there's one that you pick up because you're in a certain mood. And <laughs> so they are like your kids, but I love them all. Yeah. And I was raising a, I'm raising a toddler. So it was like, I felt like I had four babies, one physical that repeats my little cotorra. And then, you know, <laughs> and then we have another video question. Hi, my name is Ari. Do you guys have any advice for how to begin writing the story? I love Ari's shirt. <laughs> I want that shirt. That was awesome. Um, how do you get started or begin writing a story? Um, okay. Another great question. That part, that is actually hard for me to know where to begin sometimes when I'm writing a story. So I think sometimes you have to just jump in and start writing where you think the story begins. And then sometimes you're done and you finish the final chapter, the final scene. And you're like, Hmm, did I start the story in the right place? And you can always go back. That's what revision is, is all about. But like I said, sometimes you'll you'll have a story idea from 10 years ago and then suddenly it pops up again and you're writing this story. So you can have story ideas that you think you want to write and it's okay to revisit them you know, a decade later, five years later, whatever. And um, don't pressure yourself to start writing something if you're not in the right mindset for it. Yeah, I think what I'd add is just write, right? Like just start Where, wherever you're, whether you're you're taking a nap or mm -hmm. sitting in a cemetery <laughs> or you're folding laundry, whatever it is that you're doing, playing tag with your friends. When the idea comes, just write it down, unfiltered. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about how it sounds or anything like that. And then come back to it. Right. You can always come back to it. What you can take away, you know? Um, Absolutely. Right. Don't focus so much on, am I starting in the right spot? Mm -hmm. And just, just do it. Just, oh, Nike's going to sue me for that. Just. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We have another question. What is your favorite book to write? What was your favorite book? To write? Oh, um. Okay, I actually can't answer this one. I think my favorite, well, there are parts of all of them. But the book that I think I had the most fun writing was Lupe, because I was laughing all the time. And, and a lot of times it will say, well, are you funny? And, and I don't think I'm funny. I think when I have a character and they play out in my mind, the character is funny. And so once you create a character in your mind, they're kind of their own person. I know that sounds really weird, but they become their own kind of person. And I just let them um, tell the story and what what it's going to be. And Lupe and her friends are so funny to me. Like they just, and so I just kind of sat back and watched and I would write what they were doing and just crack up. So that was probably my favorite book to write on as far as it made me the happiest, because I was laughing so much. But there were also moments in The Last Quintista and even El Cucuy where I was, it helps you with maybe things that happened in your childhood or like, because you're writing about those things 
and it's it's helpful. And so when you have emotions or you're scared or frightened or nervous or you're hurt, somebody's hurt your feelings and you're a writer, you get to write about those things and it helps you with those. If you have trouble talking about that, some of us are shy and we don't share our hurts or our pains with other people and writing is a way to do that. So I think that all writing is... Um, the word is cathartic, which means that it's kind of like therapy, like you go in and you can write things and it helps your emotions. So if you're feeling something, write about it. You don't have to share it with anybody if you don't want to, but it's it's helpful for your emotions, I think. Okay. And what if you start writing a book and then decide that you don't want to finish it? Do you ever go back to those stories? What do you do with them? That would be called not in the pecan tree. In my case, <laughs> I have a book that I started so, so long ago and I've rewritten it so many times and every once I went a while, I go back and I rewrite parts of it and I just can't let it go. And it's one of those books that probably will never be published, but it's a book that again, kind of represents my childhood and my imagination as a child. And so I love going back and revisiting it and rewriting. And But um, I don't know if I'll ever finish it. I have like finished versions of it and they're not right. And I just keep going back to it because I love that living in that world. And so, yeah, I think a lot of writers have those books. Yeah. Okay. And what is the most successful part of creating a book? Oh, stressful. stressful. Look at me changing things up. <laughs> I, this is an easy answer. It's called a deadline. <laughs> yeah, deadlines, are uh, deadlines are hard because deadlines mean that somebody wants your work by a certain date and you have to finish. It's like your homework is due. I gave it to you today, but it is due on Thursday. If you bring it to me on Friday, it's late. And I'm such a rule follower for like those kinds of things that it stresses me out. And I, the hard part is I'm worried so much about the deadline that I'm not focusing on writing the book and finishing yeah. it. And so deadlines are the hardest part for me because sometimes it, um, it makes it harder for me to like, just relax. So yeah. that's when I have to light more incense and lay down more, <laughs> lay down more down and write the book. And then what is your favorite part of making a book? So we, we got the stressful. Now yeah. what's your part of making it? I think my favorite part, uh, oh, there's a lot of parts, but I love like when I finally get the book, but I think one of the, the part where I cry because I'm so excited, what is when you get to see the covers of your book. Somebody, this is the first person who's also kind of an artist who has taken your words and put a different interpretation on them and in a, in a for in a visual form. And so for me, because I can't draw to save my life. So when I write something and I, somebody makes a, an image of it, I'm like, Oh, oh my gosh. And so that part to me is my favorite part is, is seeing that. And then I'm holding the book in my hands and actually smelling it and, I think that's my favorite. Those are my favorite parts of making a book. I would have to agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I have my book hasn't come out yet, but when I got to see the sketches, I I, I just cried. But it was like the, they were the best tears. And yeah. I like 
you know, remember just, it was like this, I remember exactly where I was when I got my, my sketches, right? Like, I don't remember where I was when I was writing it or editing, but I remember walking home crying and everyone thinking I'm probably crazy. It's right. very humbling. It's super humbling that somebody takes your words and creates images. All right. Um, and so do you have a favorite genre to write? Yes. I don't want to. I love writing science fiction and fantasy. I just think that it's, again, my mind as a child living in this small town in the desert. Those are the stories that I got to escape and go yeah. to other planets and places, a wrinkle in time, like, you know, Narnia, like all those things that I got to go visit other places. So even as a writer, I, my mind still goes there. And the stories in my mind are still those magical places. And I can't help but write those, those things. And so a lot of people will read Lupe, and then they'll read the last Quintessa and they go, wow, those are very, very different books. Um, but um, at the time, Lupe was something going on in my life. And then the last Quintista happened. That was what was going on in my life. But a lot of times when I need to go to escape and go to another place, I, it's more, you know, sci-fi or fantasy. So that's probably my favorite. I love that. Yeah. And then what type of topics do you like to write about? Um, sci-fi. I like do. I like sci-fi. But and topic wise, I don't know why, but my my mind always goes to dark places where like, what if this happened? And what if someone tried to take over? And, you know, and it's my so topic wise, I think that sometimes the things that I'm the most afraid of. Um, so, for instance, like in the last Quintista, Petra is loves stories so much in, you know, books and those are threatened. And so even though it's, I, I would say it's not like my favorite, but it's scary. And so that's where I go. And so I end up writing about the things that frighten me most, uh, but also the things that I love the most. So my mind goes to all different places, but in that case, it's, you know, protecting stories and folklore and mythology and our history, which a lot of those things right now are under attack. And I didn't, when I wrote this book, I didn't know how timely it would be. Those things weren't really in the news or happening. It was just what I feared most. So um, yeah, I think that, you know, like Petra, we need to protect those things and, and um, do it in the ways that we know how, whether it's through writing or, you know, whatever your tools are, use them. Perfect. And on that brilliant no, look at that. That was totally planned. That's exactly how we wanted to end this. Um, we want to thank totally all of the teachers and the classrooms for joining us today and watching us. You are doing the work, right? You're preserving the work. It's rebellious, important work. Thank you to our moderators that have been doing a monitoring the chat and keeping us focused and telling us five more minutes, 10 more minutes, otherwise we'll be here forever. Thank you to all of you for joining and attending our panel and stay tuned for more amazing panels with the Latinx Kid Lit Book Festival. Yay! Yay.